You're listening to the Big Finish Podcast, release date the 18th of July, 2021. What are the symptoms? Is it some slow-acting poison? Is it some manner of dastardly tropical disease? Dear old Watson, forever the melodramatist. Indubitably. I'm Benji Clifford, he's Nick Briggs, and it's Sherlock Holmes week from Big Finish. Yes, yes, I'm very proud to announce that after far too long an absence, Richard Earl and I return to the roles of Watson and Holmes, and Richard's actually here. Hello, Richard. Hello, Uncle Nick. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Auntie Benji. Thank you very much, love. Uh, to bring another superb script by Jonathan Barnes to life, the seamstress of Peckham Rye will be going behind the scenes with it and giving you a free drama tease of the first 15 minutes. I feel as though I rather owe you an explanation, Inspector. I don't believe you do, sir, though I certainly owe you my thanks. And naturally, all your favourite regular features will be here too. Listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. Come the randomoid selector Tom, where we Ooh. give you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. And of course, our review of our latest reviews. Oh, review yeah. the reviews, you see, Richard. Yeah. And and, the, <laughs> and this week, the reviews will be about our recent sixth Doctor story, of course, starring Colin Baker, Doctor Who Colony of Fear. <laughs> So, Richard Earl, hello. Hello. Bonjour. It was quite frightening. You turned to look at me and zoom. <laughs> it was like all my worst nightmares. It's like you're about to give me a note. <laughs> like I would ever do that when I'm playing Sherlock Holmes. I mean, you're frightening enough at the best of times, but behind you is a sort of like a, an amorphous white sheet <laughs> at any point. It's a ridiculously expensive uh, acoustic dampening blanket, actually. Is that, yeah, is well, that really there's several is that what of they them. Told you? Yeah, yeah. That when they sold it to me for a very From high price. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, before we talk about Sherlock Holmes, I must just mention there's another thing coming out uh, later this week called Five Star Five, which is mm-hmm. a Jerry Anderson um, production, isn't it? And and Anderson Entertainment production. Uh, Benji, you worked on that. Would you like to tell us a little bit about it? Certainly, yes. This was an uh, unmade uh, Jerry Anderson production from, I think, uh, 1970s, certainly. I can't remember mm. if it was the early 70s or late 70s. But um, it's a great sort of absolutely fantastic action-packed audio, sort of enhanced audio book uh, box. Is it a box set? So there's certainly four discs, I believe. Well, it's, yeah, um, it's, well that's right. The discs are going to be available from Anderson Entertainment and the downloads are coming out from Big Finish and they're up for pre-order now. But it's great fun. Uh, I did the sounds and the music for this one, uh, and it's absolutely huge. So much going on from, you know, star battles to huge base sieges, uh, robot attacks, you name it, it's all in there. Um, It's well worth a go. I really enjoyed working on it, and uh, it was one of those ones I decided to to just go through it in, in chronological order and just edit it that way and enjoy the story and had so much fun. Well, you've done some incredible work on it, and as if to prove that, here's a clip. He heard a beep from the cockpit console, and the pilot turned to the troops behind him. There it is. He barked, his voice harsh and grating through his comms. Kestra's southern early morning system, get ready. Lutner Brax nodded to his team, and as one, they pressed a button on the sides of their helmets. Their visors tinted as each of their HU displays flickered to life. Only now were they allowed to see the details of the mission. 
Information scrolled before them. Analysis of the terrain, the nature of the target, odds of success. The Lutner felt his team tense as they read, but he had faith their training would see them through. The white strip lighting above them flicked a red in readiness of the mission. A cacophony of alarms and indicators bleeped from the pilot's console. The craft's wings extended as it reduced speed, and with a hiss, it began its descent. Crossing over an enormous crystalline boulder, the troop carrier came to rest near a muddy pool on the island. Almost immediately, it was silent. For a moment it sat, exuding a brooding menace. Above it, the sky was turning a lustrous vermilion as the sun set. Castra's five moons hung low on the horizon. Then, with a hum, the deplaning ramps began to slide from the vehicle's hull. After a pause, Lutner Brax led his raiders onto the planet's surface, waving them on to shelter behind a crystalline escarpment. As he peered through his visor, his HUD displayed the names and vital signs of each of his troops in turn. Otherwise, in their tight black fatigues, they would be completely indistinguishable. They held their heat exchanger guns at shoulder height in readiness. Light grenades were fixed to their utility belts. As he joined them in readiness, Brax pressed his back against the rock and cast a glance at the scene before him. Beyond the troop carrier, he could see the silhouette of the electronic surveillance station. Their target was in sight. Magic. So there you are, 5 Star 5. You can find it on the uh, Big Finish website at bigfinish.com. You just go to the search pane at the top and type in 5. In fact, if you just type in 5, you'll probably be able to find it, but 5 That's Star F- 5. F-I-V-E as opposed to the number 5. Uh, correct, yes. There's yes, been yes. some debate about that. It's so very yeah, interesting. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, you know, just wasn't there a pop group in the eighties called Five Star? There was. There was. There was. Yeah. They did that Are song. System addict. Hey. Hey. Weren't yeah, they renowned for being squeaky that. clean or something? I don't know. I just my memory of them is I think if They're wonderful. Do you remember that um, series by Ricky Gervais extras? Yes. Um, there's a great uh, DVD extra on the box set of. Um, Barry from EastEnders just dancing to that song. Um, <laughs> don't know why. <laughs> but they were very, very successful. They were very popular. They were. They were very beautiful, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah got the uh, wiki up here. Uh, talking of dancing and beautiful, Richard. Clever. Uh, oh, <laughs> what a segue. <laughs> Do you uh, employ any kind of dance moves when you're playing uh, Watson for Big Finish? Only when you're speaking. <laughs> so when you're doing a home speech that lasts about three and a half days and we're all, you know, shaving for the second time whilst waiting for you to get it right, then I dance. Uh, but that's mainly to keep up morale. Yeah, I wonder what that sort of strange shoe shuffling sound was while I was yeah, speaking. Yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's the lady who comes in to shave me. Uh, uh, she, she wears a particular kind of footwear. I have asked her not to, but well, you um, there's, a, there's a language barrier there. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, so yeah, the the odd dance move, I um, you know the towel behind the back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the classic, um, classic. Start the lawnmower. Uh, <laughs> oh, sprinkler. Yeah, that's, that's, a that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Do those. Kind Dodging of... the bullets. <laughs> Dodging the bullets. I mean, sometimes for real. <laughs> that's the <laughs> reviews. Yeah, yeah. That, that's going to say. Well, I'll review you reviewing the reviews. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. If you'd like to remind listeners who, well, tell listeners who've, who've m- maybe never heard our Sherlock Holmes adventures before, you know, how long we've been doing it. Do you remember? We have been doing it over 10 years. Yeah. I think 10, 11, 12 years. Yeah, well, 11, um, 12 is over 10. I mean, we've, we've only, only done three episodes, but there's been a <laughs> massive gap in between whilst... Uh, whilst uh, you and the guys sort of, you know, did sort of focus groups, you know, is there anything else you'd like Nick to bring to the role or that kind of thing? Or would you, would you, shall we just sack Richard Earl, that kind of thing, uh, in order to make it more popular? Uh, but no, we've been doing them um, sort of every couple of years, isn't it? Usually, yeah. uh, allowing for all your other work commitments. And uh, What was the first one we did? The first one was Holmes and the Ripper. Ooh which was a Brian Clemens script. Um, and we had Sam Clemens in that one yeah. as well. And I found out very recently I went to the same school as Sam Clemens. Did you? Really? He, was, he was after me. Was he? Uh, but yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, he's, he, he pops up on the on the OBM uh, website now and then about what he's doing. OBM, like what's that stand for? Old Bedford Modernian. Oh. That's if you went to that particular school, that's what you're... Was it quite posh? That's what you're called. No, I think it, it sort of, it would have liked to have been. Had pretensions. It aped, it aped posh schools. <laughs> it was that kind of kind of thing. Which is probably why Sam and I now pretend to be other people. Yeah. Uh, probably yeah. picked it up early, you know, in order not to get bullied. Well, yes, Brian's um, son Sam, it's also, he does, he directs for us as well now. Yeah, great. Well, he's an intelligent boy. Lovely yeah. chap, right, lovely lad. chap. Yeah. Hold on to him. <laughs> <laughs> by the ankles before yes. Hollywood comes calling yes indeed well yeah. he's always making films and you know yeah. um, so how long have you yeah. and Benji known each other Benji? years now good at least I don't know I can't remember at least for six or so years now is really? it six yeah. years about that yeah we've been doing this I, for I, a long time I thought it would have been longer because I've been excavating in, in, in Google yeah <laughs> uh, look, looking looking at it all and I find the early days of Big Finish sort of fascinating do you how it's all come together yeah because it, it was sort of n- none of you had any idea it was going to be this successful because there were other companies well I think Benji was Benji was doing sort of Doctor Who non-Big Finish Doctor Who stuff and all, all of these lines have finally come into parallel all your different careers have come into parallel you know that's a very interesting like some, interpretation some beautiful and perfect machine Big Finish is a well-oiled machine. It is. It's absolutely. There's so many yeah. talented people. That's the thing that there are just so many. When when you're you're talking in emails of different people, there are just so many people with so much experience and so many different things. It's awesome. It's you know we're a bit of a powerhouse. I think. Well, it's yeah. been, always been my aim, you know, since I became the executive producer, creative director, you know, to to try and find the best people, try and get the best people in it, you know. We're not always successful, but mostly we are. Mostly we've been really lucky, and it's mostly done by instinct, really from mm. me and, and then other people who I trust, like David Richardson, you know, say, well, what about this person here, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and and that's, that's the only way it will work, really, uh, if you get the right people for the right jobs, yeah. And you get the right fans. And you get the loyalty of the fans as well. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, you know, that's my naive belief that if you love and believe in what you do, then that will transmit to the the audience and they will mostly, I mean, you cannot please all of the people all the time, but, you know, most of the people most of the time is is what you can aim for. 
I think, yeah. realistically. Yeah. Well, I think what's what's brilliant is, especially, you know, going back to Sherlock Holmes as well, is that talking of pleasing people, you know, is it the official Sherlock Holmes sort of community body of listeners that have really given it rave reviews in the past and have, you know, really latched onto it? We have had some nice reviews. I mean, they very much view, you know, they, they have the sort of long view of all Sherlock Holmes, don't they, Richard, mm. you know? But they have, yeah. well, they certainly haven't slagged us off, have they? Well, I don't read reviews, so but I'm glad to hear. I'm glad to hear that we, you, and I spent a very pleasant morning with the Sherlock Holmes Society. Do you remember in the back of a pub? It's always always a good place to be. <laughs> um, uh, t- talking about Holmes and Watson. Oh yes. Uh, do you remember that it was it was uh, uh, in, in the shadow of St Paul's Cathedral? Yes. Was which is a very apt place. Was it the Sherlock Holmes pub? No, that was a different mm, one, wasn't no, it? No, that 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 that'd been probably near Baker Street, wasn't it? Is no, it, it, is, is it? No, it's near Charing oh, Cross. Not? That one. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, no, it it was in a. I I want to say that the pub would probably be called after something to do with printing. Okay. You know, as a kind of acknowledgement of that's where all the bookshops and the printers used to be back in the day, back in the, the day of John Donne and William Shakespeare and all that. Lot. Mm. So I want to call the pub something like the Free Press or something, but it probably wasn't. Well, but you or want the compositor. to. <laughs> But I, I want to. But it's something like it was. A low, it was a very nice pub. I think you stayed on and had lunch. Did I? Mm. You didn't. I think so. Yeah. I, I had a had to be elsewhere. But um, okay. Yeah, because my cleaning lady was coming to <laughs> shave you. To <laughs> shave me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, what is? It's one of the few things you can't do on Zoom. <laughs> what? What's your favourite thing about playing Doctor Watson? I think the teamwork. I, th- I think it, it's mm. it's um, it's because it, I don't play lead roles. Um, so so when you you have the the opportunity and the privilege to be to be in something where you're um, you're involved a lot, mm. it's you get a real overview of people coming. Because if we're recording for for example for a week, you get different actors coming in and they'll do what one day or two days and they're and they're brilliant and obviously there's there's, there's you as well and there's, there's ken <laughs> doing the directing there's you me know, as everybody, well as the brilliant the, the, there's you as well yeah they're <laughs> sort of contractually obliged um and so you get a real a real overview a real sense of the um the big the kind of big finish dna sort yeah. of coming together to create to create something and to be quite brave because because everybody is understandably trying to work out how to modernize the classics how to update them how to set them in a different period and and that's that's great that's you know giving it new blood and if it's well written enough if the original is well written it, it can withstand any kind of uh, treatment you know like shakespeare um but but you guys decide no 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 this is going to be you know big moustaches and bowler hats <laughs> and handsome cabs and it's it's going to be in it, written in such a way that Conan Doyle would not only recognise but I think to be honest the way Jonathan Barnes writes them I think Conan Doyle would be rather jealous <laughs> it, he, you know he'd read some of these scripts and go my God that boy can write because yeah. they are wonderful there's no there's no way you would. Um, there's no way you would be able to guess unless you're a real aficionado you know was that line by or indeed was that story by Conan Doyle or was it by Jonathan Barnes yeah he's fully immersed isn't he and he just gets it how does he do it 
I mean, okay, he, he, he's, he's read that, but he must just have that kind of brain, that sponge. Yeah. Because even some of his sentences are almost as unspeakable <laughs> as, as Conan Doyle's. And I mean that in a nice way. I mean that he wants you to, you know, that the, he's not going to limit his writing yes. just because you've employed Richard Earle, you know, the famous, very limited actor. <laughs> Therefore, you know, I want you to get to the end of that sentence without breathing like a decent Victorian Englishman would. Yeah. So do it. So, you know, and... and um, Thank you to everybody's patience while I try and do it. But, well, it's come yeah. up brilliantly. I've listened to uh, to it and, and just think it's great. Uh, you know, Benji's done some fantastic sound design on it as well. Great, thank and, you. So uh, much fun to do. Oh, so you know, it's one of those a bit of history. I love a bit of history, but the thing is, you've sort of pretty much said it all for me, Richard. It's it's just a joy to listen to. It's just so well crafted. It's just such a lovely, interesting listen that you can't help but just get get swept up in it all. And it's it's a good story. It's a cracking story. And I'm really excited because we've got another one, haven't we, coming out next year? I believe. Yeah, yeah. The um, uh, what's it called? The New York. What was it? The Fiends of New York City. Is that, is that it? Is yeah. that it? I think that's the one. Yeah. Um, so already, Excellent. you know, excited for that one. It's just a cracking story. This one, really loved it. Mm. But likewise, Benji, you're, you're the, I mean, the sound designers are—they're sort of like the new. <sighs> I don't know the new, not the new kids on the block, because I know you've all been doing it for some time. But it, it's it, it's 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 your work that that lifts it to a completely different level and yeah, makes it sound definitely. sort of epic and Hollywood and sort of you know that they are ah oh, it just well, yeah I mean I mean given the raw material uh, the, the big finish dump in your inbox. <laughs> Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's all foundations, though, isn't it? It's every stage is, is so important to creating a sort of end product, really. If you've got to have the performances there. It's got to be believable. If you're building a Victorian world, you've, yeah. got, to, you've got to have those foundations there. Otherwise, it will yeah, just yeah. sound like, you know, when you switch on Radio 4 and you get those really old comedy things. Say, I can't remember what they're called, but the sort of old-style Victorian comedy things and it just sounds a bit naff in a good way mm. but this doesn't you know yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Just well, and, and the icing on the cake is of course Jamie Robertson does the most amazing music for it mm. yes yes really. yes yes and he's, he's done a whole new version of the theme tune this time uh, ah yeah. so, I mean it's still the same know. tune but yeah. Uh, yeah sounding amazing it's got you whistling on it in the background <laughs> <laughs> And the cherry on top of the icing on the cake oh, yes. is, is, of course, Sir Kenneth Bentley. I thought you were going to oh. mention Ken. Yes. Yeah, because Champion. because it, he won't he won't take he won't he won't let you just do it. He he, he won't let you get away. No, with it. no, goodness. You know, so he no, puts no, no, me I under such. I didn't believe it. He puts me under yeah. such pressure to speak quicker. <laughs> And then when I watch Jeremy Brett doing it really slowly compared to the way I'm doing it, I'm thinking, you, you cheat, you didn't have Ken Bentley saying, no, no, he's, he thinks faster than that, Nick. You can't hang around. It just all comes out really quickly, you know. Yeah. And Jeremy Brett was paid by the hour as well. <laughs> yes, so that's how he did it. Yeah. So, he was so brilliant, of course, things. Jeremy Brett. Oh, was God, brilliant, no, yeah. brilliant, brilliant. Edward brilliant. Hardwick and Jeremy Brett. Yeah, I mean, they were the ones that were on when I was, I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, did they do all of the... I think they did, and yeah, more, yeah. Did I believe. I think that once they finished, they kept doing them. Did I think they, they did anyway, did. yeah. I think so, maybe so, you know, not. Rather like, rather like Poirot with David Suchet doing, yeah. doing all of them. Um, by the way, Ken Bentley did text me this morning and said, uh, I was saying that we were going to be talking about 
uh, this and he said I've already told Benji but do tell him again for me how brilliant I think his work is on Seamstress oh bless him well, he's, you know I, I've got nothing but good things to say about Ken I love working with him and I think he brings out the best in everyone though he is just such a steady pair of hands behind the wheel you know where you are with him and he's just he makes all the right calls that's the yes. thing he always yes. makes the right calls and uh, mm. I just yeah he's fantastic but I've, I've always worked with him he was my first first oh, really? director I worked with yeah so it was he was your first um, and yeah so I've always sort of had that straight from big finish from the word go it's no no mucking about and of course <laughs> my uh, you know uh, I got uh, Ken in to big finish because I'd worked with him on um, the, the speckled band the um, Conan Doyle Sherlock Holmes play you know he directed me in that on the London Fringe the, so, is that how you met that's how we met at uh, the Drayton Court theatre I think it's called which is just you did know. he did he audition you no he didn't um he was working with he was oh I can't remember what the drama school he'd done a post-grad course at but one of his fellows drama studio hmm? the drama studio drama studio was it yeah uh, one of DSL, his, yeah called. one of his oh yeah. that's right one of his uh, uh fellow students was uh, Andrew Dickens who I'd worked with in weekly rep and yes. Andrew was going to be in this uh, uh thing with Ken and he couldn't find a Sherlock Holmes and Andrew just said you've got to get my mate Nick Briggs to play Sherlock Holmes he'll be perfect and so we just met in a pub and chatted but I was never auditioned you know, I just Good came Lord. with this, just and I don't think I'd ever played Holmes before at that point. Uh, had you always wanted to? Yes, yes. Had yeah. I played it before? No, I didn't. So it had occurred to you that you are Holmesian. Well, I suppose so. Yeah, and of course, uh, famously, but unprovable is the fact that Benedict Cumberbatch said that to me as well. <laughs> <laughs> He said that you're Holmesian. He said um, you could, uh, I could see, yeah, because I was just going off to do Holmes and the Ripper at Nottingham Theatre Royal. And I, I, I met, what's the word? I, I contrived so that I was talking about it just as Benedict was walking past me. He came in to do a big finish. Did I not tell you this story? <laughs> Never knowingly inauthentic. Yeah. Constructed reality. I just I just said, as he came out of the studio, I said, of course, I'm heading... I said to someone else in the green room, of course, I'm heading off to Nottingham to do uh, a play. And they went, oh, what play is that? I said, oh, uh, I'm playing Sherlock Holmes in Holmes and the Ripper. And I, he sort of... And this is before he'd done Sherlock. Oh. And he, he went, did I hear you right? You're going to play Sherlock Holmes. And I said... Um, yeah, yes, that's right. And he went, yeah, I can see it, actually. You've kind of got the look, haven't you? Yeah, I can see that working. I said, oh, thank you very much. He said, actually, I shouldn't tell you, but in my bag there, I've got a script for something called Sherlock by Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss. I've just done the audition. and They want me to play Holmes. I said, wow, yeah, that would be brilliant. He said, yeah, I think I'm going to say yes. <laughs> wow. Next time I saw him, he didn't know who I was. <laughs> Is that because you were in a costume or something? <laughs> That's right. I was, I was selling an old maid or something. Selling yogurt <laughs> on the high streets, dressed as a parrot. Yeah. No. <laughs> Andrew Dickens is one of my heroes because I did pantomime with Andrew Dickens oh, in uh, Bexhill. Oh, in which well, is where I grew up in Bexhill on Sea. Grew oh, up, really? Yeah, yeah, lived there. The Delaware De La Pavilion. Oh, know it well. I played there myself. Yeah, beautiful. Play. And the thing about Andrew Dickens, he used to be in the Navy. He did. Mm. He was in nuclear submarines. <gasps> wow! Yeah. Fire the nuclear weapon. Yeah, 
fire the nuclear he, weapon. He never did that. No, he, <laughs> but, he never did the toast. But yes, he did. He joined the Navy when he was 19. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And he still has a twinkle in his eye. Uh, there's, there's a definite Navy boy, isn't there? there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The stories he could tell you and has yeah. told you that we can't repeat here. <laughs> <laughs> Make your hair curl, folks. Well, Richard's hair has curled. It has curled. But I always imagine him... Because, I mean, that's a career. Joining the Navy and sitting in a nuclear submarine, that is a career to then want to do acting instead. So I I have a vision of him, every time I think of him in my head, of just sitting in a very large nuclear submarine on his own with a load of nuclear missiles... And and a console that's sort of lit up and buzzing and waiting to be to have something pressed, and him sort of just twiddling his thumbs and perhaps reading a Samuel French <laughs> play and just saying, oh, "I'm a bit bored now. Uh, I want to I want to do acting." It's because it's quite a it's quite a because I mean all all the wonderful old actors you know all did their either their national service or they were in the war. Yeah. So they have all those wonderful stories, but I don't know of many. Actors who yeah. had a you know were in the armed proper armed forces, and then said, "Oh, okay, done that now." Well, yeah, I know. I'll if only it had so. made him any good. <laughs> <laughs> Careful, because I, I happen to know he kept a couple of those nuclear missiles back. <laughs> <laughs> so just a, you know, at the oh, he's one of, I haven't seen him for ages actually, but he's one of my closest dearest. I was going to say, have you not had him on? Is he? No, I haven't had him on the, the podcast, I don't think. No, It's enough when we get him in to do uh, a recording, you know. <laughs> no, he probably wouldn't remember me, because I was very... Um, uh, I was the genie and the ASM. Was, did you know I visited that panto? They still talk of it. So, but <laughs> did we know each other? We didn't know each other then. No. So no. isn't that weird? I came to I see, I came to see that panto. Isn't that weird? <laughs> did you really? Yes. To, be, to, to see Andrew? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, but no, no. There'd be no reason why. Wow, I'd, I'd probably be sweeping weird? the stage after the <laughs> after the show. Everybody else went to the pub. Well, there we are. Interesting reminiscences there. Uh, don't forget, yeah, the seamstress of Peckham Rye is out this week. I think we should actually just play you the trailer now. There's been a murder, Doctor Watson, in a smart family in a smart part of town. Well, it's not my world, you understand. They've closed ranks against me, but it troubles me, sir. The savagery of it in the heart of the greatest city on earth. The concentrated brutality of the thing. Come Watson, the game's afoot! From Big Finish Productions, Sherlock Holmes, the seamstress of Peckham Rye. A dead barrister in a new suit with a code in his pocket which has baffled the experts. The redoubtable Mrs Tyndall was just about to tell me the story of that tragic night as she recollects it. I was. Anything I can do to bring my husband's killer to justice. I'm searching for links in the chain, for the proper connective tissue. A dead barrister, a missing neighbor, a new suit, a baffling cipher, and a survivor who takes every night to the London stage in spite of her evident instability. An evening of terrible revelation. I was held captive in the cellar of my husband's home in Maida Vale. I lived in darkness and in squalor, with almost every dignity stripped from me. If anyone can figure it out, Mr. Holmes, I'm sure that you can. The name, sir. The name, at the very thought of which you turned quite pale this morning and flung me from these premises. 
I do intend to marry her, you know, at the earliest possible opportunity, but she needs... Well... Uh, her husband has to grant her a divorce first. But I'm not now, nor have I ever been a criminal. I'm not the kind of fellow your friend Holmes would run down on some lonely moor before cuffing me and dragging me to justice. I make no assumptions, Mr. Drennan. I'd rather face my own wife or the police or a dozen consulting detectives than speak that name aloud to you. Tell me, man! Big finish. We love stories. That was it. Uh, Richard, are you going to hang around with us for a while as we proceed through the podcast? I have absolutely nothing to do all day <laughs> other than some washing. <laughs> An actor's life. So if I do drift away, it's because you've become more dull than doing the washing. <laughs> well, could happen, Benji. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we do have a essence of Febreze about us, don't we? So. <laughs> Dear, dear. Okay, well, in that case, let's uh, let's move swiftly on. It's time to look at the latest reviews. And this week, as promised, it's Doctor Who: Colony of Fear, starring Colin Baker as the Sixth Doctor. Edwin, I'd like you to meet the scouting party from the rescue ship. We weren't expecting you for a few days. So I heard. Hello, I'm Mrs. Clark. And I'm the Doctor. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, Colony of Fear. Doctor! Help! I'm rarely pleased to see someone with a gun, but on this occasion, I'll make an exception. Who's that rather strange-looking fellow? I'm afraid I don't know his name. He's smiling, but his eyes look sad. Wise. And behind him, that's... Oh! Yes, people are always shocked by the blue box. Well, these creatures are intelligent, Governor. What makes you think they're so intelligent? Well, they have some kind of ability to psychically project their thoughts. How do you know? Because one of them spoke to me inside my head. I can't leave. If I go back to Earth, that's a long journey in cryo. What if he returns while I'm gone? And do you really think that's likely? It's all I've got. All right. Big finish. We love stories. One day he'll come back. I know it. And I'll be waiting. Well, just go to bigfinish.com and type Colony of Fear into the search pane at the top and the giant insects will come and get you. <laughs> uh, first up, we've got one here from IndieMacUser.co.uk, Jacob Licklider, who says, It is a fantastic time that begs to have a sequel, if only to get these characters back to the listeners, giving this final trilogy a great start. Right now, that that's uh, right now. Ah, uh, right now that that's out of the way. Oh. Onto the review with full spoilers in effect. Eight out of ten. Oh, Richard, your thoughts on that that review there? What happened to the other two? Well, <sighs> where did you drop two? It's our question. This Always. is it. You know. uh, Richard, I've sent you a text. Have you? Can you see it? Uh, oh, your phone's off. Is it? You can't receive yeah, texts on your computer. Um, what does it, does it say? Shut up and get off our show. <laughs> uh, the, the digital fix. Yeah, here's and a Taylor. review. Yeah, go on, read it out. Oh, I see. Yes, of course. Yes. Uh, well, th this is uh, thedigitalfix.com. Ben Taylor. 
Uh, all of the cast are typically excellent, but special consideration must go to Colin Baker, who has rarely been better in his work for Big Finish. All I can say is that listeners will be richly rewarded whether they come for hard-hitting psychodrama, the mutant space wasps, or both. <laughs> what a lovely review. Yeah, you've worked with Colin Baker, haven't you? Yes. Yes, I have. Yeah. He's a very, very nice man. Cricket. <laughs> cricket. We're both very fond of cricket. Oh, so you spoke about yeah. cricket with him. Yeah, we spoke okay. about cricket. Yeah, yeah. Right. Although, uh, in the great tradition of Nick Briggs, we only ever spoke about cricket when you were just coming around the corner. <laughs> so that so that you would then stop and go, ah, oh, gentlemen, are you, are you talking about cricket? <laughs> like I'm oh. interested in cricket. <laughs> <laughs> no, I once bluffed uh, Colin Baker and David Troughton in a football conversation, and I had three... F- phrases or words and I was and they really believe I knew what I was talking about I know nothing about football and I'm not interested in it uh, yeah no, and one of them was I don't remember any of the other words now but one of them was red nap I said yes. oh yeah well red nap and they went yeah I know yeah I know and all this and then after about 10 minutes I said guys can I just say I'm totally bluffing you here I haven't got a clue what you're talking about and they're like oh god get out <laughs> oh, you see you probably thought you were talking about a player but in fact red nap is a is a particular kind of move that the front three. It's the ex-manager of Portsmouth. In. I know that Harry Redknapp. Uh, it's a, it's a bit like a Queen's Gambit. Uh, the, the cry will go out across the stadium. Use Redknapp. Yeah. And then it's a kind of like a. Wow. Yeah. I have a, to say, I'm not that ignorant of football that you can easily no, bamboozle okay. me. I, I was brought up in a football household. Anyway, Benji. Sorry. <laughs> next review. Well, oh, my phone's ringing. It's from an 0333 number, oh, which basically means a scam. There's Colin Baker. Yes, uh, Rednab is, is a move, actually. Um, <laughs> one here from cultbox.co.uk. Uh, Ian McArdle says, Colony of Fear is a thumping good action tale, uh, action-adventure tale with temporal dimension that sees the Doctor confronted by ramifications of his actions. This is a highly impressive production. And that's five stars. That's five stars there. Five little wow. stars. It's difficult Whoa. for me to see how many. Brilliant, thank you. I give that review six Great. stars. Perfect. Uh, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. Jordan Shortman says, There is little else that I can say about this story without spoiling it. And the main mystery is one that deserves to be experienced, not told secondhand. Brackets, so this review is redundant. No. Um, but the script from Roland Moore feels entirely fresh and new. Something that can't be easy with a production company that has been around for um, 20 years. Well... Yes, it doesn't matter how long you've been around, you can still think up good stories. And the friendship between the Sixth Doctor and Constance continues to prove strong and the heart of these current outings. I can't wait to hear more. There will be more, yes. Roger, more. You're very lucky, gentlemen, because your your fan base is so literate. Yes. So so intelligent that that to to be able to lay this kind of stuff before them... And for them to say, yeah, yeah, they, this is this is good stuff. Oh, so it's real I know. Privilege. Well, we don't obviously we don't read out the bad reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some some listeners said, why do you only read out the good ones? Why do you think? <laughs> why do you think? <laughs> oh, but you, perhaps you should. Perhaps the odd the odd one or two. I mean, they are great fun on TripAdvisor and things like that. The bad reviews. I don't want to give people ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Constructive criticism. There's no such thing, actually. Oh, really? 
Well, <laughs> not not from reviews. I think from oh, I from, those, from those from uh, those you, you know from those people. You, it's Nicholas Pegg, who's you know been yeah. involved with Big Finish, and we all know him yeah. uh, to one degree the or another. He yeah. said he never played the master. Uh, he, no, no, but in my mind, he is um, a, a master. <laughs> yeah. He and Barnaby. Uh, I, ha- I have uh, ruder words uh, for, 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 for Barnaby, which Barnaby knows about. Uh, we call each other names that I won't, I won't um, broadcast. But, um, but yes, but whenever I text Barnaby, uh, I ask how the master is, and I'm referring to. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, Nick, Nick says that you know you should only take notice of comments from people who you know and respect. That's it. Yep. He said, if it's yeah, just yeah. some oik somewhere he said just forget it it's difficult though you read anything bad about yourself and that is even even if the reviewer said loads of brilliant things about you the one the bad thing is the thing you remember and that you wake up in the middle yeah. of the night sweating about so yeah but Being we all have human. saboteurs then we? we all think we're bluffing it yes yes you know until the day we die um yeah. Um, is it is it me? Or, no, it's you, isn't it, Benji, next? I can do this one, yeah. This yeah. is from docohobigfinish.blogspot.com. Uh, Docoho says, A dash of fugitive, a touch of arc in space, mm. and a claustrophobic and exciting last episode that the second Doctor himself would be at home in. Colony of Fear writes the sixth Doctor out of the main range with some confidence, and that's eight out of ten. It doesn't write him out of the main range. He's still in Doctor Who, you know. <laughs> and, he, and he decided to give up and get a job as a taxi driver. The end. <laughs> uh, he's gone. There you go. No, yeah, never changed into Sylvester McCoy. Um, no, so, didn't bother. Uh, <laughs> do you know, I just realised I had a dream last night and Sylvester McCoy was in it. Wow. <laughs> I was stuck in some pub and I was having trouble. Uh, that's right. And I, saw, I looked up and there he was sitting there and I said, oh, can I get you a drink? And then I spent half an hour trying to get a drink from a barman who didn't know where to find the drink that Sylvester had asked for. And I remember being, I woke up in a real worry that Sylvester was going to just walk out before I could give him a drink. <laughs> that weird? Oh, Good Lord, this is how it starts, you know. Kind of dreams. <laughs> uh, Sci-fi uh, bulletin dot com says, uh, and this is Paul Simpson of that august organisation says, a solid, entertaining piece of Doctor Who with some questions left to puzzle at its end. Nine out of ten. There you go. Mm, nice one. But, w- but what are the questions? That's, yep. that's what I want to know, quite frankly. <laughs> Who <laughs> answers them? <laughs> Shall I do this one? Or do yes. Richard, do you, or, or, Richard, do you want to read another one? Uh, yeah, please do. Please. Um, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll text here. it to you. You're very kind to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like Mr. C. Baker is, is doing his best work. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a really interesting story, actually. I remember at the uh, approval stage that we worked quite hard on crafting it and altering it, and I think it's turned out rather well. So I'm, yeah. I'm really, I was very pleased, actually, to be able to send all these reviews this morning as I was putting this script together to John Ainsworth, the director, who was really, of course, he hadn't seen any of them, and so it was really lovely for him to read this whole chunk of great reviews about his work. I try to do that yeah. as much as possible. If I can see really great reviews of things, I, if I have a, t- a moment... Uh, spare I will send it to the people who are responsible you know just to share the love around yeah absolutely have you got this next one I have yeah this is from who-review.com Daniel Mansfield 
All in all, Colony of Fear is a traditional Doctor Who story, well told, with a few little twists to elevate it above average. It's a testament to Moore as a writer, and indeed to the Doctor Who format in general, that even in a range 200, 273 releases strong and counting, stories with unexpected moments like this can continue to be told recommended there we go again riffing on that thing they all seem to have caught from each other which is like oh well it's over so honestly how can it be any good it's amazing that it's still good but anyway i'll i'll take that compliment yeah (laughs) and pass it around to everyone involved roland moore as well the writer is one of the loveliest human beings you could ever hope to meet he's He's a really nice man really nice Especially in the face of me script editing him on Space 1999, where I got very rough about it, and he was just very calm. Hold on, I'm going get the, the thing here. The shit. And he's going, no, well, uh, I see what you mean, Nick. So let's change that. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. So I just calm down. Just calm down. <laughs> Uh, that's it for this week, folks, uh, for the reviews. More reviews next time um, when we'll be talking about Doctor Who World Traders, starring Tom Baker as the Doctor in a sort of sequel to The Sunmakers, actually. <laughs> Well, coming up soon, we go behind the scenes with Sherlock Holmes, the seamstress of Peckham Rye. But first, it's listeners' emails. That's right. You don't need to be driving a nuclear submarine to send an email, but it does help. Yeah. And if you want to get <laughs> your emails to in, the point. <laughs> fire them at us. Uh, the emails, not the, the nuclear missiles. Uh, uh, and uh, to Big Finish, podcast at bigfinish.com. Send them there. Yes. Um, we've yes. got one here from Alita uh, J here. Um, subject to this one is Jenny. Straight to the point. No messing around here. It says, I would like to know if there's going to be any more seasons of Jenny, the Doctor's daughter. Yes. Nick. Yes. There we go. There That's we go. the answer to that. And, and I think we did a little feature on it recently. Uh, good. So next up, <laughs> this one from Gerald Orlandes. Uh, Love from the colonies, it says. Uh, and he said, you can absolutely read this on the podcast. Well, since you sent it to podcast at bigfinish.com, I took that as read. <laughs> Hello, gents. I'm a longtime Big Finish fan and dedicated podcast listener from Minnesota, USA. I can't think of anything to criticise y'all for. You get 10 stars out of five from me. Knock and roll. <laughs> Obviously, Knock a dedicated roll. listener to the podcast. I grew up watching the smattering of Tom Baker tapes and DVDs my father could find here. But when I tried to watch more classic Doctor Who as an adult, the others just didn't click for me. When I discovered Big Finish, I gradually fell in love with every single one, especially Six and Evelyn, and have since gone back and rewatched and enjoyed them all on screen. Thank you for that. I also discovered Bernice Summerfield, and I'm now really more of a Benny fan than a Doctor Who fan. Yeah, look at old Lisa Bauman there. I unfortunately haven't explored much of what you do outside of the Hooniverse, but I'm planning to pick up a few... BF Originals soon. Ooh, get on it. I just have a few ideas for things I think could be fun to see crossed out here from Big Finish, and they're probably bonkers. So feel free, feel free to dismiss them <laughs> as viciously as appropriate. Again, clearly has listened to the podcast. Uh, when will we ever hear Benji's voice in a Big Finish production outside of the podcast? I think I remember oh, that you've God. done some amateur stroke hobbyist voice acting, and you perform as a 
a myriad of zany characters on the podcast I'd love to see you on the cast list for a story sometime I think you bring joy and genuineness Aww. to anything you appeared in how about that what do you that's, that is ever so kind well notice the words amateur and hobbyist in there um, there are so many great <laughs> actors out there I'd, I'd feel a fraud with them but um, if you ever need somebody ridiculous I'm sure I could do that but um, you can occasionally hear me playing a guard when we don't have enough uh, <laughs> actors doing background things you can normally hear me shouting stop or something like that or screaming or just generally you can hear me I think I'm in Sherlock Holmes actually just muttering you can hear because there was some there's, when uh, Watson turns up at a house and I think the police are setting up sort of lines around the house and looking at things so you can hear occasional bits of me going hey over there can you set that one up over there please they're doing stupid voices and yes, yes sir alright yes, yes, yes all this sort of stuff you would never know it was even in there but it is Benji's um, very good at this Richard there's there's a lovely bit in one of the third Doctor Adventures where Bessie the Doctor's car in the background bursts out of a, a garage and you just and it's meant to be a surprise and we didn't record any wild checks for it and uh, and you just hear well some noise of people going hey, that kind of Whoa, you know that element and it's just perfect you know uh, it's it's lovely and what's your I, I can tell Benji's a great actor she's just keeping his light under a very very large bushel oh, I don't know about that but from you I'll take that as a huge compliment thank you very much mm. one of our uh, favourite lines that Benji has said recently not recently actually historically in a big finished production which we keep referencing in the podcast what's what's the line Benji it's uh, hi there it's very you know you have to have the, the pause before it hi there Nice. He's playing a sort of weird cultist in an episode of Survivors. And it said in the script that everyone had to say hello and no one had said hello. So Benji thought, well, I'll have me saying hi there. there." (laughs) But you see, it's that little silence, that pause before he says it. That's what what lifts it. Just great. Pinter. Pinter. Genius. On to the second point from Gerald. Uh, It says... Actual play, in inverted commas, is a rapidly growing form of online media where people record games of Dungeons and Dragons. Do you know about this, Benji? This is hugely popular. It's a massive thing on the internet at the moment. So many different people, companies doing it as well. Other tabletop RPGs, that's uh, regimental pig guns. Role-playing games, I think. Mm. And many of them have developed into incredibly compelling stories using a really innovative and collaborative approach. The most popular critical role stars a bunch of California-based voice actors. Since Big Finish has the motherload of British and other voice talent, and many of the cast and crew seem to genuinely like one another, that's all of... Is that true, Richard? No. (laughs) No. I feel like you could all produce some incredible content in this arena, either connected to or on your core of franchises or entirely original. It doesn't require being a skilled improviser, although it helps. And I know that at least uh, the two of you on the podcast definitely are strong in that area. Would you or have you already ever considered experimentally branching out into this format? Well, I have got something to say on this one, actually. So there is is a Doctor Who tabletop RPG game and it has got for each different doctor they they have special books which can help you to form adventures and find the characters and it's so whoever made it um, uh, I think it's Cubicore I can't remember the name of the company but whoever compiled this are absolute geeks and they have even you can even play Space Marines from Death to the Daleks believe it or not because I I have played one Um, 
but in the Eighth Doctor book, there's loads of Big Finish references. So in theory, we could, in fact, I believe there is, we could in fact do a, a Doctor Who tabletop session with a few people. Don't know, it takes oh, wow. time, all these things take time. But it is something that isn't isn't outside of the realms of what we could do. Wow. There we go. I, I played one with, um, if you remember, old uh, po- uh, host of the podcast, um, Joe Smith who oh, yes. uh, did a, a session of that with us and he was bless him he'd crafted a huge story uh for this game massive story and um, it all involved daleks and mavellans and time lords and anyway within five minutes of playing it we'd whacked the mavellan around the head and completely ruined the story for him and he had to make <laughs> the rest of the whole thing up and at the end he said he's, i said wow so that was really good as i said, didn't expect it to go that way he went no he said well you you whacked the, the character that was meant to help you round the head within the first five minutes <laughs> i think tom saunders who was um he was playing uh orsini from oh. Uh, Revelation, Revelation of the, of the Daleks. Daleks famously played by William Gaunt in the uh, yes. oh, very good as well yeah, yeah whacked the Mavellan over the head to make sure it was fully and completely uh, destroyed so, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to interrupt the podcast for a moment just to say to you guys that our operations director Hannah has, has just given birth uh, to, a, uh, to a little boy just thought I don't know if Aww. that's appropriate but I'm I'm over the moon for her she's that's on maternity leave. congratulations Hannah yeah it's fantastic anyway um, oh, all the big Finnish family are congratulating her as, as we speak uh, three Marvel and DC are both beginning to experiment with audio drama productions any chance we could hear you reviving any beloved yet forgotten big British uh, comic book heroes for our ear things well I would say about that that we did the Judge Dredd stuff and and um, it was nowhere near as popular as we expected it to be. Or, you know, we tried all sorts of uh, strategies to keep it going, but there seems to be a real disconnect between people who like to read comic strips and people who like to um, listen to audio. There is a crossover, and when we stopped doing them, there was an outcry, but it was an outcry amongst a relatively small audience that wasn't really enough to make it viable, which is a huge shame because I love doing the Judge Dredd and the, the, um, the Johnny Alpha stuff as well. Uh, just brilliant what's Johnny Alpha the um, oh, oh I can't remember the name of the strip now can you no no one can yeah, it's, when no, it comes to British comics it's Lion Comics and that's about it for me oh it really annoys me because one of those uh, ones was one of the best things that Big Finish has ever done I think anyway four uh, now that you've finished the monthly range of Doctor Who's that is have you considered repackaging selections of monthly adventures as digestible boxed sets um, Mm, that was quite digestible. I think the monthly range was intimidating for many of us obsessive completionists that tend to think we need to understand precisely how everything lines up before starting and that if you pack them up as standalone miniseries, they might get a second life. I think that's a really good idea. And of course, Gerald, we have thought about that a lot. And perhaps there'll be something like that coming up in the, you know, the medium term, I would say. Um, not the short term, not the long term, but maybe the medium term or maybe the long term or maybe I should just shut up and finish this email okay those are all my ideas nothing left to say except that I adore you all oh thank you child and that if you don't slow down my children will have to blame (laughs) you for (laughs) growing up penniless fair enough Buck up, says Gerald using our very old catchphrase thank you very much (laughs) sent from the bottom of one of 10,000 lakes (laughs) What? what what does that mean I thought she was going to say from the bottom of her heart. (laughs) 
P.S. This isn't a question, but I just want to say that I'm very excited for The War Doctor Begins. And while I know some people have been anxious about recasting, I think you've done a great job preserving the integrity of the franchise while allowing for an increasingly diverse set of stories and talent to take part. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Very well put. Mm. Very well put. Benji, shall I do this one? Yeah, okay. Uh, And finally then, so we've got one here from Paul Jones. Uh, Subject to this is Audible. Dear N and B, mm. um, hi there, hi there, hi there. Um, <laughs> although I, uh, I Richard, could you vast... give your could you give your take on hi there? Hi there. Oh, oh, an edge. Yeah. There's an edge to that. I like it. <laughs> myself, I like it. Yeah, it was, uh, you wouldn't want to meet them down a, a dark alley. <laughs> oh no. Um, uh, although you know, a nice a nice greeting. At least that you know better than give us your money. Um, yeah. Although I buy the vast majority of my big finish purchases direct from your website, I've also purchased some as part of my Audible subscription. Fair enough. Uh, I've been enjoying Jago and Lightfoot, uh, unit stories and countermeasures on this medium. Mm -hmm. But oh no, I'm now on to series eight of Jago and Lightfoot and I find that this is the last series available through Audible. Are there any plans to release subsequent series in the future, or will I have to back up uh, to the fact that my collection will be spread over two apps? Mm. My OCD awaits your answer with trepidation. Uh, Love the show. Regards, Paul. Well, do you know, the simple answer to that, Paul, is that I don't know. Um, I'm not, not in charge of what does and doesn't go to Audible. Um, so I think the best thing you can do is uh, get it at Big Finish. <laughs> but I would say that, wouldn't I? Because, <laughs> of course, when it when you buy it from Audible, a whole most of the money goes to Audible. I think that's fair to say. I think everyone knows that. OK, uh, <laughs> controversially, that's it for this week. More emails next time. We'll be dramatising you with Sherlock Holmes, the seamstress of Peck and Rye at the end of this podcast. But first, here's a chance to go behind the scenes with it. No spoilers, just lots of fun. Oh, uh, Richard, have you got a no spoilery comment to make about it before we go into the package? A no spoiler comment. Yeah. I would say it's set in Victorian England. <laughs> <laughs> Superb. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Hello, I'm Jonathan Barnes, and I wrote Sherlock Holmes, The Seamstress of Peckham Rye. Holmes, speak to me! You need not be concerned. Truly, your attention would be better directed towards Miss Dumont, I think, and to the unravelling of the cat's cradle of your private life. So, yes, part two of a trilogy, or at least a sequence of Holmes stories... At the start, we're checking back in with the characters. Some months have passed since the previous story. We're seeing what's changed for them. Obviously, quite a lot has shifted in Watson's life. And as a result, there is perhaps something of an absence in Holmes's existence. But we're also having the chance to explore some of those threads that were left a little bit open-ended in the previous story. Hello, I'm Ken Bentley, and I'm the director of Sherlock Holmes, The Seamstress of Peckham Rye. I love the world of Holmes, I love Jonathan's writing, and I, I love 
hearing Nicholas and, and Richard bringing these two um, incredibly well-known characters to life and putting their their spin on them with with Jonathan's words. It's just a it's a joy to work on. Hello, my name is Nicholas Briggs and I play Sherlock Holmes. And in this story, uh, you initially discover me in a state of intense ennui. Uh, Sherlock Holmes is going through one of those stages where clearly he's favouring the needle because his brain isn't being stimulated by anything interesting and you know and he just lives in this state if he's not stimulated by a problem he just goes straight to artificial stimulation and he's on a real downer here then of course uh, he does decide to take up a, a case and he is completely manically overactive and overenthusiastic and that was the uh, direction that uh, Ken Bentley gave me the director. He said, uh, "He said he's off his face, and he is totally, you know." So he's doing things like running out into the middle of the road to stop cabs to talk to Watson. Uh, it's hyperactive. He's become. So he goes from one extreme to the other. Surely this might be just the thing to lift you from the doldrums. I'm not in the doldrums, as you put it, Watson, but merely in a state of acute realism. I see more clearly now than I ever have before the grim purposelessness of life. And so I would ask you both to leave me. You know, I think Holmes does appreciate that that's important to Watson. I think he loves Watson, although I don't know whether he'd put it in those terms. And uh, and he is a bit put out. Holmes wants everything to work his way. You know, he wants, he unravels problems and he makes the facts work for him. And when Watson doesn't quite fit in with that that does trip him up but he he has known Watson long enough now and has a close enough friendship with him uh, to realize that he has to however unwillingly and however slightly jealously step aside for Watson's love of a woman which is something that is unfathomable to Holmes I think Holmes has a respect for Watson's capacity for emotion because Holmes just um, doesn't possess that. So, yes, it's the, it's the one thing that Holmes can't really work out. And so he does step aside for it. And it does cause problems with the dynamic of Watson and Holmes when, you know, Watson can't be by Holmes' side. But then Holmes, it doesn't stop Holmes trying to convince him now and again and through all sorts of conniving means as well. I mean, Holmes has a childish streak in him where, where he'll try to get his way, whatever way he can, because he, he wants things to work the way he knows and understands. I'm Richard Earle and I play Dr John Watson. When you need me, Holmes, I will always be by your side. My dear fellow, thank you. I only hope that you won't live to regret that statement. I don't believe I ever could. Well, let us see. I can appreciate in this particular script just how funny it is. The farce, the farcical situation in the boarding house. I was actually on a stage tour of the UK in a French farce when the first lockdown began. And... I was spending my evenings saying precisely those lines that Watson says uh, in this story. Oh, my God, quick, hide behind the curtains. And, and, and now, as we come out of the third lockdown, 
as we're recording this, I'm again able to say, as Watson says, Oh my God, quick, hide behind the curtains! Which gives my whole Covid experience something of a symmetrical feel. And as always with these scripts, I'm just in awe of the way in which Jonathan weaves the different strands of, of, of what is basically an epic. They converge, they diverge, they leave as many questions unanswered at the end, and yet you feel so satisfied by spending time in, in, in the company of Jonathan Barnes's imagination. So I think I've said before that I'm always interested, um, not only, obviously, in Conan Doyle's home stories themselves, but also in the gaps that he leaves in the stories and kind of on either side of them. And this is a particularly interesting era to explore, I think, in the Holmes universe. After Holmes has kind of come back from the dead and around the time that we're told that Watson has perhaps abandoned him, left Holmes again in order to uh, pursue a new love, uh, which in these stories we've decided is the American actress Genevieve Dumont. Hello, my name's Lucy Briggs-Owen and I play Genevieve Dumont in The Seamstress of Peckham Rye. I really loved playing Genevieve. She's strong and she's witty. She's quite theatrical. That's what she does. She's an actress. So beyond just being Watson's fiance, she has an established career. She is big on the London stage, which isn't where she's from originally. She's an American. So there was that challenge as well with the accent that I was doing. I was a little bit nervous when I first read the script because she she sort of breaks up the band a bit in this particular story. A terrible tale, to be sure, but I fail to see quite why her testimony should fill this theatre night after night. Because, Mr. Holmes, folk like to learn of the misfortune of others. We all believe deep down that hearing the pain of strangers will help to keep us safe from it ourselves. Hello, my name is India Fisher, and I play Mrs. Tyndall. A criminal with a social conscience, then. Half mastermind, half philanthropist. And a woman to boot. I would not offer her condescension, Mr. Holmes. Nor would I underestimate her abilities or resolve. She has already, as we've seen, outfoxed you completely. When I first read it, all I thought about was Joan Greenwood from the film version of The Importance of Being Earnest. And the, the phrase that kept coming to my mind is when Cicely says... When I see a spade, I call it a spade. And Joan Greenwood says, I'm very glad to say that I have never seen a spade. So um, that, was the, that was the tone that I wanted Mrs Tyndall to be. I liked the idea that um, she was very, very softly spoken. And um, it was all rather gentle, but she'd experienced this awful thing. And actually, we discover other aspects to her character as the play goes on. In terms of how people felt and behaved at the time, it, it's um, it, it was always a bit scandalous to be to be associated with a, a sort of normally previously married woman, if we're honest. But what I think what's always been quite fascinating about these sorts of stories set at this sort of time, and particularly the way Jonathan writes, is that actually, although everybody finds these things terribly scandalous, it's happening all the time. So many people do actually divorce and then remarry, but um, every, everybody seems to just sort of um, look down their noses on it a little bit. But um, it's quite it's quite fascinating. I like the way Jonathan handles it in that people get sniffy about it, but quite frankly, they're all getting up to it. 
Just go to bigfinish.com and type Peckham Rye. That's P-E-C-K-H-A-M-R-Y-E. Two separate words for those of you not familiar with that southeast London location. Type that into the search pane to enjoy this one. Hey, out this week as well, I'm emphasising. Well, don't forget that we'll be dramatising you with the first 15 minutes of The Seamstress of Peckham Rye by Jonathan Barnes any minute now. But before that, it's... The Randomoids Electrotron, where we give you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. And uh, Richard Earle is still with us. Hello. Yes, I'm sorry about that. <coughs> well, this, well, you'll find this very exciting. Benji, there's, yeah, 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 yeah. there's a website. This is, this is, that, sorry. It's brilliant. It's, because I can see you both on Zoom as well. It's like a proper, it's like a full-blown performance. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful. Well, there's actually it's like a not, website. Not, it's not flicks. <laughs> not at all. Um... There's actually a website called the Randomoid Selectatron that uh, one of our loyal listeners created for us. And if we just press a button, it will randomly select a release from the Big Finish website. And if it's one that is, you know, appropriately available, we have a chat about it and then give people 25%. What, what have you got? Wow. Well, as always, you see, it's it's surprisingly accurate. Wow. Uh, it's picked us a Colin Baker story. Wow. And this okay. one is uh, uh, number 111, Doctor Who, The Doomwood Curse. The Doomwood Curse. I know that was directed by Barnaby Edwards. It doesn't have Richard in it, does it? If it no. did, can you imagine? No, it doesn't. Because no. if it's directed by Barnaby, there's a good chance that Richard... It's got it's Nicky... Got, it's got Hayley Atwell in it, though. Ah. Ah. Wow. Oh, by the way, here's yeah. the trailer. Doctor Who, the Doomwood Curse. Oh, Doctor, but it's thrilling. Curses and tombs, revenge from beyond the grave, scheming gypsies and highwaymen, of course. It is the curse of our family. A bough falling from that tree heralds the death of the eldest Doomwood. This is the Doomwood Curse. Curses are just superstition. They have no power. Rookwood. The book that invented Dick Turpin. Uh, no, Doctor. I think you'll find Dick Turpin was a real person. Stand and deliver! Your money or your life. Open the gate, damn you. Not till I got my due. I'll give you what you're due, man. Can't you see that's a highwayman there? You can't possibly be this man's sister. You are Charlotte Pollard. No, Charlotte Doomwood. In times to come, when town folk and country folk alike tell her this ride, the greatest heroine of them all is brave Black Beth. I understood that you did not believe in such things as curses, Doctor. I don't, but I'm very much afraid that this world does. I think the answers may lie in a book. Available now from BigFinish.com So this was part of the sequence where the sixth Doctor was travelling with uh, Charlotte Pollard, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, correct. It all, yeah. Correct. And, uh, God, it's a great cast, isn't it? Nicky Henson. Oh, mm. I worked with Nicky. He's no longer with yeah. us, is he? No, no, no. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. It's not one of the best covers I've seen, to be quite frank. No, it's it's yeah, it's the picture of India there was definitely taken in the in the studio, wasn't it? I, I can I can tell that. And also, I, I remember it, an earlier version of it where they stuck a, a ridiculous hat on India's head, and I said, "Yeah, that just doesn't look <laughs> like it's actually on her head," you know. So, but you know, this is two thousand and eight, so it's it's a quite an old story now, really. It is, yeah. Believe it or not, I did yeah, go I'm, in to visit. I think that's the one where. Uh, Hayley Atwell's dog did a little poo in the uh, 
in the, everyone's a critic in the other room <laughs> uh, and i just yeah and i i said oh i think your dog's done a poo in there and she went oh dear i thought oh i see i have to right okay so i had to clean oh. up the dog poo. oh i thought you meant you had to do one as well <laughs> <laughs> not for the first time not for the first time <laughs> it's true I have done a poo before I'm, I think we're all experts in that field <laughs> I've heard a few of them <laughs> <laughs> well on that bomb there shall. it is now, you, <clears throat> you can hear that now. right uh, Benji uh, while I email the uh, Jackie I've put the Jackie I don't know why there, there's only <laughs> one Jackie at Big Finish uh, to make sure she puts the offer live uh, uh, you'll explain how to get the discount won't you Certainly, it's super Explain easy. It to Richard. Need to do. Yeah, Richard, so if you want to get your 25% yeah. discount on Doctor Who the Doom Will Curse, all you have mm-hmm. to do is go to bigfinish.com. When you're on there, go to the podcast section on the menu bar at the top, and then it will say read more. In the, you want to click read more, and in the blurb underneath the picture of us, it will say just click here and enter the code clever, Buck Up. Yeah. That's Buck Up, B-U-C-K-U-P, all capital letters, no spaces, no complications, punctuations, parties in the nations, nothing like that, just Buck Up. Enter that in and you'll get your 25% discount. Isn't that good? Great. You're impressed by that. Did you you guys didn't know that this was going to be the... The, the story that has the 25% discount no. when you started this podcast no we didn't so you, all of this all of this information that you, you it just comes from your brains and your memories yeah yeah that's right I mean D- sometimes despite having done thousands of these stories yeah. it just it just latches straight into wow but to be fair some of them uh, some of these ran sections are, are me going oh I don't know did I? Oh, <laughs> so some of them aren't quite <laughs> right. as good as this, but you know, yeah. we had we had India Fisher and Hayley Atwell. So two things I'm bound to re- two things. They're things now. But of I've course, objectified India them. Fisher and Sherlock Holmes as well. So yeah. topical, yes. topical. Yeah. She's yes. absolutely See? brilliant in it as well, isn't she? Yeah. Uh, good. Hmm. Marvelous, marvelous. Well, there. Thanks, Ran. Always a pleasure. Thanks for for popping that story up into our into our pod Uh, next week this podcast is entitled Torchwood Blake Uh, we go behind the scenes with Blake 7 the Paluma Project and we also give you a 15 minute drama tease of Torchwood Madam I'm and I I recorded that one in the sweltering heat of the summer I think it was it might have been the sweltering freezing cold can you Um, give us a tease what's it about it's just great fun the Torchwood sessions are so fun uh, to to do recordings with everybody is just in such a great move and has so, has so much fun and uh, but then knuckles down and delivers great performances as well nice well exciting nice. stuff coming up there in the meantime uh, just time for us to say it's always such a pleasure to cast our pod in your direction every week uh, don't forget to send your emails to podcast at bigfinish.com and maybe even tell us about your latest Big Finish favourites but in the meantime it's a big bye bye from both of us and Richard would you like to join in I've texted you the text we have to say yes. it together here we go and <sighs> It's, it's always, always such, such a pleasure, pleasure to cast our pod in your direction every, every week. week. Don't, don't forget, forget to send your emails, emails to podcast to podcast and maybe tell us about your latest finish in the meantime but in the meantime it's a bye-bye from us both full stop all three of us that's amusing me more and more every week and probably driving everyone up the wall I just make the statement longer and longer it's a joke Time now Hi for there. Sherlock Holmes, the seamstress of Peckham Rye, uh, featuring this young man. Hello. 
Hi there. <laughs> uh, Richard, thank you so much for being with us throughout the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for Thank surviving. you very much indeed for having me. It's been a, a real privilege. Thank you. Great fun. Let's Great have a fun. bit of homes. The autumn of the year 1900 was, for those of us who came to be caught up in the melancholy affair of the seamstress of Peckham Rye, a season of disquiet and dread. At that time I was, for reasons which shall soon become apparent, living away from Baker Street and from its most celebrated resident, my singular friend, Mr. Sherlock Holmes, I had instead taken up residence in a Bloomsbury boarding-house of impeccable repute. This establishment was divided strictly into two. The ground floor for gentlemen lodgers, the first reserved solely for ladies. Any interchange between these stories was prohibited absolutely, and any person discovered in defiance of this partition would find themselves at once ejected from the premises their luggage and possessions to follow forcefully in their wake. It was, then, with both surprise and not a little agitation, that on the afternoon of the 13th of September, as I perused the latest edition of The Lancet, I heard a decidedly feminine knock upon the door of my austere little room, and a familiar voice call out, John, John, quickly, let me in. Genevieve! It'll be the very devil to pay if Mrs. Ogilvy catches us. John. Oh, very well. I've missed you. As I missed you, my dear. Is there any word? Any news at all? I fear not. Oh, pity. You must be patient, my love. I rather think that I have most certainly been that. We just need a little more time. It won't be long now. We have said such things before, on many occasions. Yet still we hear nothing. Still we languish in this place. Still we go on in this most imperfect and unsatisfactory arrangement. I know, but, John, please, don't give up. Now that I would never do. You have my word. Thank you. So, will you hold me for a moment? Of course. It's just so very frustrating to wait day after day for the next letter, for the next telegram, for the next knock at the door. <gasps> oh, no. Who is it? It's Mrs. Ogilvy, Doctor. Quick, hide! Over there, behind the curtains. Are you quite in earnest? I have rarely been more so. Oh, good lord. Oh, what fun. 
Mrs. Ogilvy! And what can I do for you today, ma'am? Good afternoon, Doctor. I trust I'm not disturbing anything? Not at all, ma'am. No, absolutely not. I do so hate to interrupt a gentleman at work. And you were working, weren't you, Doctor? Always working, ma'am, yes. Never far from the grindstone and the wheel. <laughs> but was there anything in particular? You have a visitor, sir. He's waiting for you in the breakfast room. I see. And did the gentleman in question leave his card? No card, sir. Though, of course, I recognised the type at once. Oh, yes. He's a policeman. Oh. I'd be prepared to swear to it. What was his name? Fisher, I think. Never heard of the man. I thought I knew all of the Scotland Yarders. Still, do tell him that I'll be down in a moment. I shall. Though I'll thank you not to keep him waiting. I don't care, you know, for troubled-looking young strangers cluttering up my rooms. Of course, ma'am. I understand completely. Thank you so much. Doctor. What on earth is going on? I've not the least idea. Though I intend to find out. No, oh, but I dare say that whatever this visitation is, it has something to do with Mr. Holmes. I'm sure you must be right, my dear. Mm. Would you care to join me for the interview? Once you've waited a few minutes and pretended to have come directly from the first floor, of course. Oh, that would be most interesting. Though I have to say, John, I really can't wait to be free of all this skulking about. My tire of secrecy and shadows. Dr. Watson? That's right. You must be Inspector Fisher. I am, sir. And I'm very pleased and proud to make your acquaintance. And I yours. I have to confess, I'm a little surprised that you've managed to find me. I've scarcely told a soul about this new and strictly temporary address of mine. So I'm given to understand. In point of fact, it was your former landlady who told me you were here now. Indeed. I thought I'd asked Mrs. Hudson to divulge the details to no one, except in a case of emergency. Well, you ought not to be cross with her, Doctor. The fault is all mine. In what way? Oh, the Lord has blessed me with a friendly kind of face. It seems sometimes to invite confidentiality. People like to tell me things. I can't help it. <laughs> no doubt that's a trait which proves most useful in your profession. <laughs> it does, sir, yes. <laughs> There's been a precious little use to me of late. Oh? Uh, there's been a murder, Dr Watson. In a smart family in a smart part of town. Well, it's not my world, you understand. They've closed ranks against me. But it troubles me, sir. The savagery of it in the heart of the greatest city on earth. The concentrated brutality of the thing. And there's something else, too. Something which doesn't make the slightest bit of sense. I ought to stop you, Inspector, before you say any more. Whatever you may have heard or read, I am no kind of authority on crime. I've merely witnessed its consequences from time to time in the company of a great and gifted man. I appreciate that, Doctor, for I am extremely well acquainted with your accounts in the Strand magazine. But you see, it is because of your connection to Mr Sherlock Holmes that I wanted to meet with you today. It seems to me your time would be better spent seeing Holmes yourself. His address has not changed. His agency remains open for business, at least the last I heard. Well, that's just it, Doctor. He won't see me. He, he positively refuses. Oh, I'm very sorry to hear that. He won't see any of us. 
According to Mrs. Hudson, he won't receive any possible clients, even the most promising, even the very oddest of them. She's worried. She has to go away for a week, and she says she doesn't want to leave him alone. And she told me... Well... Yes? She said he's not been this bad in years. Not since the 90s. Not since... Not since Moriarty. Mm. Dearest John, there you are. And who is this young fellow? Inspector Silas Fisher, ma'am. Very pleased to make your acquaintance. Genevieve Dumont. Charmed. Yes. Well, uh, this, Inspector, is my friend. <laughs> Come, John. Let us have no secrets before the police. I am his fiance. <laughs> Almost, yes. <laughs> but not, alas, quite yet. In British law. A technicality. Though it is, I fear, my darling, a significant one. <laughs> so, was I right? Has this gentleman's business to do with Mr. Holmes? You were quite correct, my dear, as you so often are. <laughs> and it would seem that Mr. Holmes has not lately been receiving visitors of any stripe. He never was the most sociable of men. Nonetheless... Mrs. Hudson is concerned. I was hoping, ma'am, that the good doctor would come with me to Baker Street to see if he can't persuade Mr. Holmes to speak to me concerning a murder. Oh, where are you now? My dear, I feel under the circumstances that I really ought to go. Of course you do. Why ever would you want to stay here, after all, mouldering in this wretched place with me? I feel as though I rather owe you an explanation, Inspector. I don't believe you do, sir. Though I certainly owe you my thanks. I'm very grateful for your help. Well, I've long been meaning to visit Mr. Holmes. But, as you saw, my domestic situation is just a little unorthodox at present. I offer no judgment whatever, sir, on that score. I do intend to marry her, you know, at the earliest possible opportunity. But she needs... Well... Uh... Her husband has to grant her a divorce first. I suppose that shocks you. Doctor, you may trust me when I say that I can't easily be shocked. Still, I wanted you to understand. I am behaving honourably. He, on the other hand, the original husband, one Joseph Drennan by name, most certainly is not. Quite a merry dance he's led us both this year, all over Europe and beyond. And he's made a fine art of it. Asking us to meet him in some far-flung place or other so that he might sign the necessary papers, only to vanish at the very last moment. I think he enjoys it, you know. He relishes the chase. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if he does, sir. Some men are built that way. Quite so. Of course, in your job, you must see the very worst of mankind. Oh, I do, sir, yes. But then even as a child, I'd grown accustomed to that. Whatever do you mean? Ah, and this is Mary Lebone, is it not? Almost there now. Well then, here we are. Must feel like coming home for you, Doctor. Do you know... I'm not sure that it does. Not to the degree that it ought. And the place seems oddly deserted, don't you think? Well, there's a sense of neglect, yes. 
of things being held back. Well, let's see if we can't revivify things somewhat. I assumed you were in your room. I just wanted to sit quietly for a while, Mrs. Ogilvy. I don't believe myself to be doing any harm. Now, that's a matter of opinion. Excuse me? I really shouldn't say. It's none of my concern. Mrs. Ogilvy, please, if you have something to tell me. Well, if you insist. I rather think I do. Dr. Watson, your friend... He's a good man. I know that he is. So you wouldn't be toying with him? You wouldn't be playing with his affections? Absolutely not. I'm very glad to hear it. Besides, I'm not sure I care for your insinuation. Miss Dumont, I've met women of your sort before. They've passed through these sets of rooms many times. And the trajectories of their journeys have always been the same. Always a descent. Always tending towards ignominy and disgrace. Do you understand me? Mrs. Ogilvy, I would say that I intend to prove you wrong, but I don't think I care enough about your opinion even to make that small pledge. So I do believe I'll go to my room now. As I climbed, for the first time in too long, the old familiar staircase at 221B, the past returned to me in a torrent. How many clients? How many policemen? How many criminals and innocents? How many of the baffled and the bewildered, the desperate and the despairing had walked this same way before us? For an instant, lost in history, I could not help but recollect also my Mary, who had presented herself before us in the last century, during the affair of the Agra treasure. But then I pushed these thoughts aside, and I walked stoically on. Here we are, Inspector. Oh, it's just how I imagined. All in bohemian disarray. So, where the deuce is he? Holmes? Holmes! Show yourself, man! Doesn't seem to me, though, anyone's been here for days. Dust everywhere, spoiled food. Perhaps he's gone away, abroad. Maybe he's working on a case. No, he's here. Holmes! There's no need, my dear fellow, to shout. Especially since I seem at present to possess an unusual sensitivity to sound. Your footsteps and those of your new acquaintance echoed in my ears like veritable thunderclaps. Holmes, are you feeling altogether well? You look, if I might say so, rather gaunt and fearfully pale. I am a little tired, perhaps. Nothing graver than that. Though you'll have to forgive me if I sit. Whatever's the matter? What are the symptoms? Is it some slow-acting poison? Is it some manner of dastardly tropical disease? Dear old Watson. Forever the melodramatist. No, what you see before you now is the consequence of nothing more exotic than pronounced and extended ennui. 
Then for goodness sake, let me help you. Let me open the windows. Allow me to get some fresh air in here. And in the absence of Mrs. Hudson, permit me to make you some breakfast. You should do nothing of the sort. I am perfectly happy with everything just as it is. Well, the builders are drilling at the moment. And yeah, if- it sounds like you've got dinosaurs next door. You've been listening to Big Finish Productions, so don't forget to rate, review and subscribe, please. Richard, are you still here? Yes. Oh, should I have gone? (laughs) 